Rice clean me up. Rice clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. clean me up. Rice clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Listen. Yeah. I ain't got a stain on me. Cause it's all by his grace, homie Gave his righteousness, now I'm spotless Didn't earn it, but I still got it, yeah Not by my works Now I'm in his church Ain't nothing I could earn Did it by his own, yeah, you know I didn't deserve I'm singing out Christ clean me up Christ clean me up I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, 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 Christ clean me up, Christ clean me up, I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, 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 Christ clean me up, I was headed to I was a mess, my goodness is unworthiness But now I'm feeling brand new I ain't worried about a thing He's worried, now I sing, yeah Got a new mind, got a new heart Glory to God, who art Worthy of all praises By tongue, tribes, and nations He dressed us in this white robe His righteousness we now clothe Glory to God and Christ alone Glory to God and Christ alone, yeah I don't say the Bible teaches an evolutionary account of history. Mm. You're saying it's compatible. I'm saying it's compatible. Gotcha. I'm still surprised more people don't know this information about Darwinian evolution and why we need to move beyond it. They're doing in Genesis 1. They're not. This is not a creation story, actually. In, in the ancient Eastern context, that makes sense. Evolution is not working. It's not helping. and peace and welcome back to an episode of all things theology where this is your host k-dub and today we're going to talk about a video marcus rogers did where he really got into his view of speaking in tongues and also some (laughs) some trinitarian views his christological views which i found interesting someone recently shared that shared this video with me they say hey i think this is actually his worst uh video i mean and i was like ah no come on you're being a little bit exaggerate you know you're you're exaggerating a little bit i was like they're not wrong boy ain't no way boy boy ain't no way boy and so what i want to do is take a look at some of this one of the troubling part you know the, the one of the hard part about responding to this is his view of tongues is it's everywhere. There's no coherent, cohesive view. In one sentence, he's saying you don't have to speak in tongues. But then if you don't speak in tongues and you say, hey, it's not for everybody, then he calls it an antichrist doctrine teaching. And so it's very confusing. And then it violates his whole premise. Right. Remember one of the premises Marcus Rogers 
says frequently in one of one of his videos that, you know, according to John three, all you have to do is be born again. And then he says, well, in videos like this, if you don't affirm speaking in tongues, then you're of the Antichrist, which would obviously assume that you're not a believer. It's very con confusing. I know it doesn't make any sense. But again, I want to respond because one, I believe it's a good teachable moment. Two, many of the views that I espouse were attacked. And so uh, obviously he doesn't mention me by name. I'm not saying that. But obviously, you know, some, some of the things I hold to, he's calling demonic Antichrist. And many of the things that some of you guys hold to are being called demonic and Antichrist. And so what I want to do as a Berean is give a response to these things. And so let's get into this video here. I'm going to pull it up and we're going to try our best to get through this. Let's talk about tongues first. OK, let's get into it. That doesn't mean just because you say that you're a Christian, that you're automatically filled with the Holy Spirit. If I, if what I'm saying is 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 wrong or if people want to argue, say, hey, that's a false teacher. What is the danger? Because all I'm going to tell you is that tongues is for you. You watch boy, ain't no live. Way, boy. Yes, you can boy, ain't speak no way, tongues if you want to. Sorry, I didn't mean to press that, but the Bible literally says, "Do, do you know? Do all speak in tongues?" And it's in putting it in a negative, expecting a ne negative answer. Of course not. All the gifts are not for every single Christian necessarily, right? Not everyone has, you know, the same. I mean, we're we're a different body. We have different gifts. We have, you know, even even the Bible says, uh, that varies in gifts. And so he he says, hey, no, 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 I you can speak in tongues if you want to. I mean, that wasn't even true in the, the biblical days. Not everyone spoke in tongues. We don't have a documentation of everyone speaking in tongues. Um, and so, um, yeah, let's get into it. What is the danger in that? Right. Well, he's well, I'll present the danger because he thinks, oh, well, I don't see any danger about what I'm saying. Therefore, you know. You know, it's not really false then. Well, the danger is you tell people, hey, everybody should be speaking in tongues. And then, the, you know, some people don't have the gift and then it brings a condemnation. I have been in these circles, guys. I've been in these churches where, you know, you got the spiritual super saints, right? They speak in tongues. They're prophesying. But, you know, the regular old Joes over there. Yeah, they, they you know, they're, they're, you know, they they're Christians. <laughs> right. But they can't do what we can do. The, the, it, it creates a category and a, and a chasm of of Christians in the body when you when you teach them things like this. Just saying tongues are for everybody. What's so bad about that? And it's not biblically accurate because, I mean, the Bible literally says not everyone speaks in tongues. But Marcus Rogers ignores that verse. He goes to a verse he likes, dismisses everything, reads into that verse. Right. There's a lot of presupposition that goes into all these things. But let me keep playing. Him. Here's the thing. On the flip side. If someone is telling you that you don't need to speak in tongues and that you're just filled with the Holy Spirit because you say you believe out of your mouth, that's dangerous. Because number one, now you're not tapping into this power and this promise that God has for you because of unbelief. Okay, so, <laughs> well, a few things there, right? Now you're not tapping into the power. So in order, I, I guess, so again, we're taking his words. In order to tap in the power, whatever that's even supposed to mean, I thought the power was the spirit, not necessarily the, the tongues. Uh, but nevertheless, um, we're told that you're not really you're teaching people, hey, they're not tapping in the power if you don't speak in tongues. Right. Again, it is the spirit who who who, who is the power, not the gift of of tongues. So he he he, he so 
one of the things that's done in this video is he he misreads Acts 2 to think to believe that the promise of the Holy Spirit, uh, the or sorry, the promise that is given is the gift of tongues which the Holy Spirit gives the, the, where it literally says the promise is the Holy Spirit. The spirit himself is the promise given to the new covenant believer. I mean, you can go back to texts like uh, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel um, uh, 36, 25 to 27. It will pour out his spirit. That does not mean speaking in tongues. You know what that does mean? Regeneration. Marcus Rogers conflates anything with the spirit as speaking in tongues. So, yeah, you're going to have a lot of problems uh, when you make that assumption. Many, You, you know, you got to challenge people's presuppositions. There are a lot of presuppositions uh, in this video. Go watch the video. It's, it's, it's a terrible video. These signs shall follow them that believe. Okay, so Mark 16, uh, you know, he, he goes to a textual variant. Because because here's one of the troubling things. One of those things is raising the dead. Marcus Rogers has never raised the dead. So what would we conclude Marcus Rogers is not a true he doesn't have the spirit based on that sign gifts. Hey, it says these signs, correct? Well, the problem is one of the problems is, is that is a textual variant. It is not in the earliest manuscripts. I, I've given that response before, but he's super dependent on this text because he likes the tongues. He likes the tongues aspect in that Mark 16 passages, but he doesn't like the raising of the dead. He doesn't like the, you know, the the uh, snake biting them. Remember, remember, remember the video where he had to uh, mystify this, this snake, right? Coming out of the woman's back. Very absurd teachings. It is again when you don't like a teaching, you 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 mystify it. Then when you do like it, you you literalize it, it again. Insane. They should cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Not they might. They shall. You're not gonna receive something if you don't believe that you need it because you've been taught a antichrist doctrine. Notice it is an antichrist doctrine if you're saying, hey, no, not everyone's going to speak in tongues, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he, he, Marcus Rogers goes with the presupposition that, hey, if you if you believe you can speak in tongues, then it will happen. I have known several people that have sought in their earnest charismatic desires to speak in tongues and it hasn't happened for them. I, one in particular, John Piper. John Piper recounts over and over how he has sought with tears to speak in tongues yet it hasn't happened would marcus rogers call him antichrist things we would like to know <clears throat> which is exactly what the devil wants the devil does not want you to speak in tongues why we just read it <laughs> when i speak in tongues what does it say i speak to god when i speak in tongues i edifieth myself First Corinthians 14, 4. So he says, you know, the devil is the one who doesn't want you to speak in tongues. Guys, let's be honest. Anybody can. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Y'all almost got me. Anybody can do the gibberish. It does not take a work of God to do that. And we're going to we're going to actually see the work of God in the Bible. Is actually being exchanged for this um, uh, counterfeit. This is what charismatics have to do to justify their gibberish. The clear biblical view of speaking in tongues, which is a known language that the speaker doesn't know. Right. It would be like me speaking Swahili. I've never studied the language in my life. 
but God gives me the gift of speaking in tongues. And I communicate this, the, uh, a word of God, word from God to a uh, Swahili culture. That's actual speaking in tongues, not the blah, 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 shuba, da, 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 you know, not, not the, the rolling of the tongue. It's, it's baby speak. It's, it's, it's gibberish. It's, it's blabbing of the tongue. Again, that is not biblical speaking in tongues. 120 build up yourself on the hope on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost and praying in the holy ghost does not mean praying in an unknown language this gibberish praying in the whole you can do that in english my friend pray in the spirit pray according to god's will that does not mean this un this this unintelligible unknown gibberish that is going on in many charismatic churches your most holy faith what does that mean Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, a lot of people say, oh, I'm saved because I believe. But the Yes, <laughs> that is exactly what the Bible says. How is this deniable? We place our trust. We place our faith, I mean, in, in Christ. We believe on him. It says, believe on him. You shall be saved. Now, Marcus has a very interesting view of that, but when the moment you believe you are saved and i'm not talking about the because he conflates this well if you if you believe that then cardi b saved that is absurd that is not genuine belief it is not a true trusting in christ but let's let's hear him baba says they serve me with their lips but their hearts are far from me that's because they haven't believed that is not genuine belief what do you believe the reason the Bible says faith without works is dead is because true faith is going to produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that lines up with what the word of God says. You want to know something interesting? I was thinking on this today in light of uh, preparing for this video. That's correct. You will. If you truly have believed on the son, you will produce fruit. The Bible is very clear about that. You want to know something interesting? Galatians chapter five, the the fruit of the spirit. Notice it doesn't say fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Speaking in tongues is not listed in one of those fruit. Right. According to Marcus Rogers, shouldn't that be listed in there? Right. This should be the evidence, the fruit that you have been converted. You would think so, but it is never it is never mentioned in the Bible as a litmus test of true conversion, um, especially the gibberish form. So when people start arguing about you don't need to be baptized, you don't need to speak in tongues you for salvation. Yeah, you don't need to do any of those things for salvation. That's correct. But Marcus Rogers doesn't believe that. You don't need to do none of this. If the Bible says to be born of the water and the spirit, which has nothing to do with baptism nor speaking in tongues. Nicodemus. And a matter of fact, it's about regeneration. It is about being born again, a new nature. And matter of fact, Jesus is appealing to Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, where, uh, you know, the prophet Ezekiel is receiving a, a prophecy from God about, uh, um, you know, the spirit, you know, causing us to obey him. There's nothing new. It's not about baptism itself, not about being going underwater, though I affirm you should get baptized, though bapti baptism is not the gospel. As Paul says, God did not send him to baptize, but. A contrast to preach the gospel. And John 3 says, what must I do to be born again? I'm going to show you. 
Some people are going to manifest right now. You're going to see demons <laughs> manifesting in the comments. No, we're fine. Because you're coming against their religious doctrine, and it's a demonic doctrine. Notice. Because what they're teaching is making you not tap into everything that God has for you. And I'm teaching the opposite. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. Watch what happens. Peter comes, says, repent. And be baptized, born of the water, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. Paul comes and we read it in Acts 19. He says, okay, you've believed, but have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? They say, we don't know. We don't know if there be a Holy Spirit. What does he do? Baptizes them. They're born of the water. And then they all get filled with the Holy Spirit, born of the Spirit. We see the same pattern throughout the Bible. Well, that, that last pattern was a little different. But Marcus Rogers holds to the position. You can see what's articulated as get baptized, then you'll be born of the spirit. That's not the biblical, quote unquote, formula. But this is the the uh, and one of the things that's actually problematic. Let me let me give you as a case study for hermeneutics. Many people, when they want to uh, unleash an unbiblical doctrine, they go to the book of Acts. Why? What is what is so significant about the book of Acts? The book of Acts is a transitionary period. And so one of one of the things as you see is you see a fading away of the old covenant and the bringing in the new covenant. So some of these things sometimes overlap. So sometimes they're still doing old covenantal, uh, uh, you know, uh, ritual so to speak uh you know yeah rituals um but in that you see this so guess what sometimes they're still doing and you, you can find animal sacrifices still in the book of acts and many people in the hebrew roots will go to that book see we still need to be doing um um uh, animal sacrifices right it's in the new covenant but you have to realize that there's a fading away of a, and then a bringing in and so sometimes there's this blend but by the time you get to the epistles these things are made very clear right Something to keep in mind as as you read your Bible, just is just a good hermeneutic because you can create a lot of confusion and contradictions if you do not understand that principle I just brought out. Born of the water, born of the spirit and John three, born of the water, born of the spirit and Acts two, born of the water, born of the spirit and Acts 10 with Cornelius. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in Jesus name. We Hold on. That's a different different one. You see what I mean? Acts, Acts is actually you, you're seeing a blending. And so sometimes there's a reversal sometimes, even in the book. So that's why you, the later you get, there's actually a, a, a more clarity on some of these issues. And again, by the time you get to the epistles, this is why even in what he just said, there's an actual flipping. He's like, you know, if you if you actually listen to what he just said, go back and uh, you'll, you'll see the clear contrast. See the same thing in Acts 19, born of the water and born of the spirit. Now, listen, some people are going to keep arguing about this instead of listening to what I'm saying because it's a religious demon that's trying to keep them in bondage. <laughs> Everywhere in the New Testament, you see the same pattern. They got baptized in the water and they were filled with the spirit. Now, <laughs> so, right, not listening to him is, is to receive this. You're under some kind of demonic influence. Um, no, no, we understand biblical justification and what you're actually teaching people is all they need to do is just support their faith with baptism and they receive uh, the, the Holy Spirit. That is not what the Bible teaches. Descriptive is not prescriptive. 
You got to understand just because the Bible presents something is not prescribing something to do as for us. There are many examples of this. Um, Jesus walks on water, right? Tells Peter to come along with him. That does not mean we need to get the whole church. Hey, you want to follow Jesus? You got to walk on water. That is absurd. You got to go to the prescriptive passages that uh, lay some of these things out. And in the book of Galatians, Paul rips this these kind of views to, sh to, to shred. We begin by the spirit, by faith and faith alone. It is not law that that, you know, we don't begin by spirit and then by law. We don't begin by the law. Spirit alone, always faith alone, trusting in him. Um, let's get to our next clip because uh, this one's very interesting. This is where he provides a little I, I say exegesis but before I get into that clip. Let me actually say this, because there are some people who don't actually exegete Texas text. I want you to listen to the what's going to be said here. Reading a text and just asking a question about something is not exegesis. That is not exegesis at all. That is just reading a text and asking a question, oftentimes um, assuming your presuppositions about the text. But if you want to actually exegete the text, you got to go in there. You got to get dirty. <laughs> you got to get a little money. You got to get hands on. You got to deal with things being said. You got to draw out the meaning. And then if you want to ask that questions, you know, provide applications, that'd be so. But, but you guys will see what I mean. Let's let's play this clip. What is the difference between what we just read, where they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and the gift of tongues? Because many people will say, well, uh, you know, the Bible. Oh, and, and let me just say this, because Marcus Rogers makes this huge distinction between uh, tongues and the gift of tongues. My friend, there is a distinction without a difference there. Um, and I mean, it's an absurd thing to even do. So so. You know, you'll you'll challenge him on why he doesn't interpret certain tongues. And he's like, well, that's not the gift of speaking in tongues. That's speaking in tongues. It's just this absurd uh, distinction that he makes. But we'll we'll let him continue. He says that not tongues isn't for everyone. And yes. that, you know, we shouldn't all be speaking in tongues that's without correct. an interpreter. That's correct. And this is the thing. The Bible cannot contradict itself. And so if we go back to Acts 2 and we're going to go through a lot. So notice. Instead of dealing with that passage, he skips over it. <laughs> he tries to go somewhere else to justify why he doesn't use an interpreter sometimes. We, we all know those guys don't actually use, they don't actually interpret tongues, right? Because you can't, you can't actually interpret. That's not an interpretable language. No one actually knows what you're saying, right? And it's because it's not a known language, it's so easy to interpret. <laughs> I could just say you said uh, goat milk tastes good. Now, we know that all not true. Sorry for you goat milk lovers out there. But Again, because it's not a loan language, it's 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 not falsifiable. You could just say someone said anything. Different passages. And of course, we're going to go into First Corinthians 14, Acts 2, 13. Others mock saying these men are. I'm going to play all this through. It's about a minute and 30 left on this part. I'm just going to and just listen to what's being said. Full of new wine. But Peter standing up uh, with the 11 verse 14. Let me scroll down here. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young man shall see visions and your old man shall dream dreams. Peter says this is what was prophesied. This is what was promised to us that God was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Now, here's a question to ask yourself. Why do are these guys thinking, yo, are these guys drunk? I've never seen somebody talk in Spanish or uh, Korean or some other language and said, oh, man, I think that person is drunk. I knew that they were just speaking another language. Something about these people here in the book of Acts chapter two had people thinking, yo, these guys got to be drunk. Now, Jerusalem at that time, right? A lot of stuff was going on. The Romans were there. A lot of different, you know, uh, nations were coming in and out so they were familiar with other languages so just something for you to think about why would they think yo these guys gotta be drunk it wasn't just because they were speaking somebody else's language now there were so many presuppositions woven into that passage that it's ridiculous but what we're gonna do we're gonna look at x2 because marcus rogers says well they're asking the question, are these men drunk, right? So they must have looked drunk. So they must have been asking. Um, they must have been looking a little drunk, right? Like you see with people who speak in tongues. It, I, I have a question, but it's rooted in a biblical um, understanding. Why would the Bible tell us to be self-controlled, sober-minded, only to look like drunk people. That's never made any sense to me with this view of speaking in tongues. So what I want to do, I'm going to pull up Acts chapter 2. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, right? And let's look at this text, right? They were filled with the Spirit, verse uh, 4, Acts chapter 2, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So notice, they are um, gathered together. It's my commentary. They're gathered together. And there's a lot of ethnic groups, men who speak different languages. I mean, really going to say that uh, verse uh, six and the sound multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Right. Um, something I wanted to look at. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Galilean, that was an insult. Galileans were not viewed as uh, wise men, right? They're, they're, they're uneducated people. And so the question is really being asked in verse seven. How are these unwise men knowing all these languages? See, if they were just speaking gibberish, they wouldn't have even asked this question because they would have said, of course, these Galileans are speaking like fools, right? But it's because they these Galileans were speaking multiple languages that they did not know. And that is actually the premise in verse seven, verse eight. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? See, even further evidence that this was not gibberish going on, as, as Marcus Rogers says, well, these men were drunk. They must have been acting drunk. No. Right. Um, where we have Parthians, Medes. Alamites, Alam, sorry, Alamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, and uh, Pamphylia, 
Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. So multiple languages actually being counted here. It literally tells you the languages or at least the people groups, right? Both Jews, proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling, listen, in our own tongues, that is languages, the mighty works of of God. I mean, my goodness, guys, this could not be more clear that this was a known language that the people were hearing. Right. That the speaker did not know himself that God gave the ability really for the for the proclamation and the spreading of the gospel. Uh, verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Yes. Great question. Let me give you my um let me give you my interpretive grid. What did this event mean? Well, it meant the fulfillment of prophecy as we later see. Fulfillment of Joel 2, right? God's going to pour out his spirit, right? He's going to spread his gospel to, to, to people who are not just ethnic Israel, right? But it's going to be in a multitude, an explosion of non-Israel uh, Christians, you know, people of God. But notice what verse 13 and Marcus Rogers loves this verse. But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Now. As, well, hold on, let me not do that. Let me not do the Marcus Rogers approach. But let me let me actually before I ask a question, state the absurdity of this question. It is an absurd question. You see people not knowing a language. Being people who you would call uneducated men, speaking languages they do not know, and your first thought is they are drunk. Yes, it is a dumb question because what you're actually seeing is fulfillment of prophecy. So it is a it is a question rooted in um, not understanding um, prophetic fulfillment. Not that they were actually looking drunk. There's no way you can get that. Marcus Rogers actually buys into the stupidity of the question. Because <laughs> because uh, notice what Peter Peter even refutes that they're not drunk. It's, it's the third hour of the day. Then goes on to utter to repeat what the prophet Joel says. Hey, this is fulfillment of prophecy. So Marcus Rogers doesn't actually exegete the tea. He doesn't actually explain what's this the the zitzim laban the the situation at hand. He goes down and says, "Hey, okay, they're speaking in tongues. They look drunk. They must have looked drunk. That that that, that is not exegesis. That is just inserting your understanding um, into the text, but not actually explaining it." Um, wow. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, Let's see. There's a lot to get to. Uh, th this one was very interesting because it gets to the character and the nature of God. So if I'm not filled with the spirit, I can fall for a strong delusion. If I'm not filled with the spirit, I can fall for the spirit of the Antichrist. I got to be filled with the spirit from the top of my head to the sole of my feet because the Holy Spirit is going to lead me and guide me into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, protect me from deception. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. How could God be fair if he only gave that to some Christians? 
No, no, no. Just a select few of you. I'm going to let you speak in tongues and edify yourself in the spirit. When you're going through it, when you're going through a storm, when you're going, when you're depressed, when you feel darkness coming around you. No, it's only going to be for a select few people. The rest of you just going to have to be miserable. <laughs> so apparently, if you don't speak in tongues, you'll be miserable. Right. Um, interesting. Right. Well, one of the things that was interesting about that section was. You know, if if God doesn't get, you know, you saying all oh, don't speak in tongues, you're really saying God wouldn't be fair if he withheld this. Right. Think about that question for a second. Think about that statement. Would God be unjust if he didn't give everybody speaking in uh, the ability to speak in tongues? I are I unequivocally answer no. Because God owes no one any gift. It would seem to indicate something that God must do under some kind of obligation. But that's actually a denial of what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all work miracles? No. Clearly there were some miracle workers, but not everyone was a miracle worker. Even when it came to prophets, were all prophets? No. So you, you've taken an argument and a presupposition that allow you to undercut yeah, undercut, it, it undercuts your own argument. And it's not about the fairness of God. It's about what God has prescribed. God has not prescribed every Christian to speak in tongues. Nor does he have to give that ability to everyone. If God gave it to one person, he would be just. He would be fair. Or he would be fair. He would, he would, he would be just and, and gracious still. It's a presupposition that kind of some uh <laughs> it's this socialism argument god needs to give everybody this or he's not fair right mm -hmm. this equity over equality uh type of uh, argument i just thought that that uh point was very interesting in the video well let's go to this next point here all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna preach what god tells me to preach and i know this isn't popular i see people posting oh yeah yeah every christian is filled with the spirit lies and that's so he says here, not every Christian is filled with the spirit. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, this was the promise of uh, matter of fact, let me let me go there is the promise of um, the new covenant. Everyone will possess the spirit. This not 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 just some people. This would not be like the old covenant where not everyone possessed the spirit. Um yeah, I mean, for this is the new covenant I make with them. I'll put my law within them. Right. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor. Uh, know the Lord. They shall all know me. See, this knowing is, is speaking of this regenerative work. Jesus, Jesus speaks of this in John chapter six about uh, knowing the Lord. This is regenerative language. You have become new therefore, because you have become new. Right. And that's and, and this is why you don't need a teacher. Right. When you when, when you became converted, no one had to teach you don't steal. The spirit taught you. Right. Um, even again, even in Ezekiel 36, this is the promise of the spirit. The spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Right. And so him, him saying, well, no, no. Yeah, just because you're a Christian, you, you believe you don't have the spirit automatically. So notice what's connected from from the uh, context of this video. Speaking in tongues is actually connected with God given the spirit. 
dangerous because you give people a false sense of security and it's not biblical and the devil loves that deception because acts 1 8 says ye shall receive power after the holy ghost has come upon you and we have that power we have been empowered to work power to walk upright it's not necessarily speaking in tongues again um because i mean think about it it's momentarily Someone speaks in tongues and they all do their own thing. We have a continuous power. The power is the spirit himself. He gives power. Um, one more clip on this speaking in tongues nonsense. And, and, you know, I've heard this view numerous times. So let's let's hear him expose it. Consuming fire. When you pray, do you realize that when you pray in tongues, God is such a genius. It's strategic. The devil don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> do you hear me? I hear you. The devil does not understand. When you pray in English and you're saying, God, God, please, could you do this? Could you do that? The devil says, oh, I heard that. I know how to attack you. But when you pray in tongues, the devil has no idea what you're talking about. It's strategic. And neither does the person speaking it. <laughs> That's the foolery of it. But you know what's uh, interesting? They say this speaking in tongues is tongues of angels. So why wouldn't Satan know what it is since he himself is an angel? That doesn't make any sense. First off. Uh, second of all, nowhere does the Bible say uh, he doesn't know what you're saying. That's two. Uh, three. If that's the case, then why didn't Jesus just speak in tongues uh, when he when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Wouldn't that have been the perfect opportunity, right? Again, none of this stuff makes any sense biblically once you examine it. Um, but that is par for the course when it comes to speaking in tongues. We're going to transition here. <laughs> we are going to transition. Uh, you, you, you know, I just I just got to play it. Jingle bells, jingle bells, I'm not going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Marcus Rogers really gets into his view of the Godhead. And I found some of this very interesting because it really gets to what I've been saying for a long time. One, Marcus Rogers is confused, um, though he may, though he won't admit that. he has He's presented a confused God. I'll say that. A confusing God. Um, but Marcus Rogers espouses modalism throughout this video. Uh, very interesting because, again, it's what I've said, which made David Lynn partnering with him very interesting. But what we're going to do, we're going to get into some of these segments and we're going to talk about it. I, I entitled this section the Marcus is ignorant section. Why does the Bible refer to the Holy Spirit <clears throat> as the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost and not the Holy Person or the Holy One? <laughs> that's that's a, one. It's silly. It doesn't call, refer to the father as the person, as a person. So, again, we're going to get to that in a second. But Marcus Rogers denies that the spirit is a person. Now, and, that, and one of his denials is because of an assumption of, of anti-intellectualism. Because he thinks what, what Trinitarians are saying when we say person. No, I mean, we can explain this all day to Marcus Rogers. We're not saying this, the spirit of God is a literal human person. But the person, but when we refer to a person, we're using um, um, historic early church language to speak of a personality, right? The, the 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 spirit is not just some kind of force, as Jehovah's Witness refer to the spirit as. But the spirit can be grieved. The spirit can uh, know things, right? The spirit himself is a conscious uh, person, 
right? He has personality. That's what we're referring to. Again, Marcus Rogers knows that's what was being said, but he, he dismisses it and then uses his arguments. Well, God is spirit, the Bible says, and his spirit is holy because he is holy. So it's holy spirit. God is spirit and his spirit is holy. So we are filled with the holy spirit. Now, Jesus is the holy one. Mark 1 24 saying, let us alone. These demons are talking. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us. I know thee who thou art the holy one of God. Jesus, right? Now, this is where it's going to get real crazy. And I want you to study this for yourself. Jesus is the word made flesh. John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the one of the begotten, one of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. So we know that Jesus, right, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. He has always been there. He is fully God. He Now, one of the things that Marcus is going to contradict himself is he's saying that the Jesus has always been there. Watch. We're going to watch uh, in a little little bit later. Marcus is actually going to deny that. And that's see one of one of the confusing things about Marcus Rogers is he'll say something and deny it, um, you know, later in the video, later in a later video. And so he's saying, well, notice Jesus is uncreated. What? Right. Well, OK, watch next clip. We'll finish this clip out. But but we'll continue is fully man. John 1, 18 says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. Now, I just want to talk about this for a second, because a lot of people uh, I was trying to really push for unity in the body of Christ. And I was trying to show people how this is not a heaven or hell issue uh, when people want to discuss these words and these things are not in the Bible. What does it mean when it says that Jesus was in the bosom of the father? Yeah, let me explain this because I want you to notice something. This this kind of demonstrates how we can use same language, but mean totally different things. The bosom being in the bosom of the, the father is, is to uh, communicate this relationship, this nearness, this intimacy that the son and the father have with one another. What it's not referring to is that Jesus was literally in the chest of the father entrapped. And that way you can say he's always been there. That's absolutely not what is being meant. Um, it's, 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 it's irrational that someone would even try to communicate, but that's what he's communicated in the past. And I believe he communicates that in this video as well. What does it mean if we know that the word was made flesh? What does it mean when we when Marcus hears the word word made flesh? He literally thinks words like Jesus was spoke. And then that means words became literal flesh. Words don't become flesh. <laughs> so let's just get that out the window. That's irrational. Um, Whatever you believe the word is. It's not what Marcus Rogers says. Let's just go with that one. Oh, that in Hebrews, it says a body you have prepared for him. Notice how he's he's everywhere. He's one of the first thing they was doing content on Marcus Rogers, uh, disagreeing with him, making videos. It's he, 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 this man will be in 
everywhere. No, there's no context. It's just all just hopscotching over here and over there. And then yeah, and, and trying to jam all these things together as if they're talking about the same thing. Hebrews 10 verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared him. Yes. So the word was made flesh. Jesus was in the bosom of the father. And a body was prepared. Hmm? So the word was wrapped in flesh. Now, the reason I brought this up oh, is because so no many people are divided about something that is not a heaven or hell issue and something that I've seen many people don't fully understand and they fully can't comprehend. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not us who don't understand or comprehend this again. Go and watch that video. God, the, uh, the Godhead explain like you never heard it before something like that marcus rogers did this video about two years now and it was one of the most confusing and, and not because you know some kind of intellectual inability on my own but it was by confusing i mean literally irrational view of god was postulated by marcus rogers and his friend william the thrill jackson yes we all agree that jesus is god no, we, we all don't. agree that the holy spirit is god no we don't we believe that the father is god that they are one, right? No arguing. But my question is. <clears throat> and Marcus is actually going to present what he means by God being one a little later. You want to stick around for that. So stay stay tuned for that. What form was Jesus when he was in the bosom of the father? Before he was made flesh, what form was he in? Now, the word was made flesh. Well, what is a word? Watch you this. see what I'm saying? And so a lot of see, he literally thinks literal words. So but the problem with that view is words don't um, have a have a have a conscious. They don't think words don't aren't said to create uh, words. Don't move. They don't re respond. They don't you know what I'm saying? The words don't do these things. It's. It's, but that's what he think the word was. That's not what's being communicated in John one. Well, they're debating when we get to heaven, are we going to see three people, two people are just one on the throne? That is not the debate. Again, um, those are issues where I'm more willing to, 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 uh, to debate, but that's not the debate at hand. But again, it, it's going to, as we play some of these clips, we're going to see more of these things come out, but Again, remember I said Marcus believes doesn't really hold to an eternal view of Jesus. He he will give lip service to these things, but he's going to admit here that Jesus was brought forth. Watch. Think about this in Genesis 1-3, and this is just my personal study. And like I said, this is not a, a heaven or hell issue. I just found it interesting. And God's so Marcus gets to determine all these. Hey, it's not it's not heaven or hell. I, I, I say it is my own personal study. <laughs> but watch this. Said, Let there be light. And there was light. What light was God talking about? Because if you continue to read, right, what does it say? It got God tells you what the light he was talking about. It literally tells you. Uh, in verse four, it says God said. The light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. 
So this light, obviously, is not the sun, it's not the moon and the stars. Yes, that does come later. But there's this light of dayness that's being created. So it tells you what the light actually is in the passage. But watch what Marcus Rogers says the light is. The light was created on the fourth day. He separated the, the, the sun and the moon and the day from the night. So what light are we talking about here in Genesis 1-3? It's not it, it tells you, literally verse 4 or 5. The sun is not the stars. That's it's correct. not the moon. That's correct. He says, let there be light, and there was light. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the mediator, the only mediator between us and the Father. Jesus is the what? The light oh of boy. the world. Oh, boy. Now, do you see what's being suggested here? That the light here is Jesus, which would literally Jesus would be created because this is the, the light at one point was no. There was no light, but it is brought forth. And this is creation events happening so he's so marcus rogers will say yes god's created but here he's suggesting jesus is the light in genesis 1 3 that was brought forth you see what i'm saying i hear you now i am not telling people people took a clip and they ran with it i'm not saying oh jesus is a thought i mean that's, that's not a clip we ran with it you said it <laughs> but 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 watch the bible says that jesus was in the bosom of the father and the word was made flesh so some people will say let there be light so so notice he is arguing that when it says let there be light that was the bringing forth of the son out of the the bosom of the father and let me just show you how ridiculous this is that this is not it's not even speaking about a, a person, not speaking about people. The Bible says we're children of the light. So does that mean in verse three, we also were created absurdities. But the Bible calls us light. Again, you have to allow the passage, the context of determining the meaning of words. Jesus was always there, but he was in the bosom of the father. Let there be light. Notice, notice again listen to what's being said jesus is in the bosom of the father so so somehow he's in the literally in the father and when god said let there be light he he, he came out of the father so to speak and i guess there was jesus and jesus was good i guess god separate jesus from the darkness god called jesus day again it makes no sense in the light of the passage pardon the pun right um, but this is not what's going on. Jesus is distinct from the father. John one, one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. There was this, this face to face, this prosopon relationship with the father and the son, the communicating always with one another, not Jesus in the father, like literally in the father. And then when God said, let there be light, Jesus comes forth. That is absurd that someone even postulates something like that. I mean, part of me is like, so part of me is like this. You know, I mean, I'm just kind of lost for words. Wait a minute. Who are you? Like, who are you to even think of something like that? I mean, you know, I'm...
And so my point is, nobody that I've ever talked to or had this conversation can give like a clear, you know, uh, you know, line by line, word by word. This is a matter of fact. This is what we're going to see. And nobody but me. <laughs> heaven. Okay. So God pours out his spirit. I just want you to notice something. That's Marcus Rogers explanation of Genesis 1, 3. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable, but sad at the same time, right? I mean. You see what I'm saying? I hear you. He's not pouring out a person. He's pouring out his spirit. Now. That's absurd. That That is a, a completely absurd. Because, again, when he says person, when Marcus Rogers says person, he's assuming uh, a hu human person. So, again, this is why he doesn't believe the, the Holy Spirit is a person. You want to call the Holy Spirit a person? Hey, it's not a heaven or hell issue. Nothing Does the Holy is. Spirit have a personality? Yes. Which is exactly what we mean. So you should not deny that the Holy Spirit is a person since you're actually saying what we're saying. Now, I don't think we're saying the same thing because he doesn't believe the the he believes the uh, the Holy Spirit is actually just God, the Father Spirit, not uh, distinct from the Father. The personality of God. The characteristics of God. And we'll dive into that verse. But me personally. I don't I, want your person. And this is where personally. another argument happens. What is the definition of person? Well, a person, our definition in America is a human <laughs> being. You see? Well, we know that Jesus was the only one that was wrapped in flesh. So now, so we go to a uh, Webster's modern definition of the term to make, you know, we don't actually... Hey, how are you guys using the word? And we don't go to, you know, things like that. We, hey, I'm just going to go to person, which, you know, in our understanding, yeah, sure. That's we're not using it in a, in a Webster, we're using this in a theological term. But by his own definition, the, the father is not a person either. Because he's assuming humanness to uh, that term person. Jesus is the only one that became human. So I just want you to understand the revelation that you have the literal spirit of God. He's poured a portion of himself into you. Remember. And I would disagree with that. We don't have a portion of the spirit. We have the spirit. We don't have the. I mean, I don't know where he's getting all that. Like what, what percentage of the spirit do we have? We have. The fullness of the spirit. <sighs> Anyways, I mean, it gets worse, guys. Let's 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 just go to the next clip. You want to call the Holy Spirit a person uh, or whatever. I just want to get people to really think about this and really understand that it's the spirit of God. Notice. Inside of you, the literal spirit of God. It's not like, oh, I sent somebody else. Notice it's. The father isn't sending someone else. So, again, the spirit is not a distinct person from the from the father. It's God's own spirit, which he sends a portion of himself to the believer. Y you guys seeing that? No, God is in you. When you are filled with the Holy a Spirit, portion of God, you are filled with the spirit of God. Again, I got just want you guys to hear this. Uh, 
one anti-trinitarian two anti-biblical view of god uh but and then he takes delight in this he starts even mocking here let me look at some of these comments real quick i know some of them are absolutely crazy because i get a lot of people they get so mad with what i teach because it goes against their theology and their doctrine and, and so many people they want to be right and that's why we have division instead of looking at the fruit you know they they want to be able to slap a name on it well it's not authentic if it's not a trinitarian jesus it's not authentic if it's not a pentecostal jesus it's it's not authentic if it's a baptist if it's a not a baptist jesus or a oneness jesus marcus is it authentic if it's a mormon jesus is it, what, what about the the hindu jesus because uh, yeah i know you want to you know, want to use a little mockery here but those groups speak in tongues you know uh yeah the 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 those groups speak in tongues are you going to deny the authenticity of that then? Hey, I just want to be, I just want a little consistency here from Marcus Rogers. You know, that's all, you know. All of these names that are nowhere to be found in the Bible. Let me tell you something. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you know, because something changes in your life. There's a transformation that takes place. Again, a, a, a Mormon would amen that. Even a Muslim, a uh, Jehovah's Witness would agree with that. So when, here's one thing Marcus doesn't like: when when it when it's doctrinal specificity uh, to condemn his views, he doesn't like it. But when he wants to disagree with others, right, gummy bear Christianity, then he wants to use the Bible and be specific. This is very interesting, and that's all that matters. And I know that's not popular. Oh, it is. The world doesn't really care about theological spec. Uh, uh, being specific about uh, doctrine, right? We they just want the Jesus, just that that get along. He's the inclusive Jesus. Yeah, the world would agree with everything he's saying, but people will look at somebody and say, "Hey, are you talking about the Pentecostal Jesus or the Baptist Jesus or a Lutheran? What, what Jesus are you talking about?" But but Ephesians says you have unity in the Spirit when you're filled with the Spirit. You'll know by the spirit who's who. My sheep know my voice. That's actually not what even <laughs> the, the again. The, my sheep hear my voice has nothing to do with. Oh well, you just know someone if there's a Christian. If you, that actually has to do with actually the sheep will always follow Jesus. Not just oh somebody says hey hey is there a Christian oh you you'll just be able to know the first time you ever meet them and stuff like that. Again, this is a very Gnostic view of uh, knowledge. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit can speak. But see, the problem is a lot of people are not filled with the spirit. They're filled with religion, theology and doctrine. And that's why we have confusion. Amen. Yeah, I am filled with religion, which is not a bad thing. James, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, James 127, I believe. Yes, not a bad thing to be religion, uh, or even religious for that matter. Um, doctrine and theology are important. That's I mean, the Bible is a theological work. It is a doctrinal work. Anyone telling you these are negative things doesn't know their Bible that well and is actually offering a false doctrine and a unbiblical theology. You can't get away from this. Everybody preaches a theology, a uh, doctrine. The question is, is it biblical? Because they're not able to gauge and judge by the spirit. They have to rely on their head knowledge. So from their head knowledge, they need you to be a certain denomination 
for them to discern, okay, you're legit. But when you walk by the spirit, you don't need that because you can discern by the spirit. He's literally saying we should get rid of theology and doctrine. Guys, it is literally getting worse and worse by the clip. I don't know what the Bereans were doing, searching all the Bible for, for doctrinal specificity. I don't know what they were doing to making sure Paul wasn't preaching false doctrine and rather a biblical theology, but they should have just known by the Spirit, right? But Paul commended them. You see the very difference between the apostolic doctrine versus Marcus Rogers' doctrine, right? Uh, again, more of the forgetting theology. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because there's a lot of things that we argue about that are not heaven or hell issues. There's a lot of words that we're trying to use to define if somebody's real, if they're saved or not. Guess what? The only thing you have to do to be saved is to be born again. Now, I find that very weird after he said, told us, right, some people's view of uh, um, speaking in tongues is antichrist, but which contradicts everything he just said there. Because if all you got to do is be born again, then I don't need to speak in tongues, right? But Marcus Rogers doesn't believe that. So therefore you do. Again, it's a whole mishmash of mess there. Is it? You don't have to claim Pentecostal. You don't have to claim Trinity. You don't. Guess what? These are words that some man made and we just started running with it. Instead of testing the spirit by the spirit, we're testing people's salvation by words that are not in the Bible. And I know that that makes religious demons so mad. They get <laughs> furious when I say, they say, stop saying that. You need to affirm uh, Pentecostalism and, and Luther, whatever denominational stuff. No, I don't. All I have to do is be born again. I don't have to bow to your religious nonsense because it's man-made. It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. So again, Marcus throws all theology. Hey, as long as, as, long as you're just born again, right? Everything else. It's just on the table, right? We, we can have, hey, a, a view of God that um, just uh, contradicts everything, right? But as long as we just say we're born again, this this title of the section, I title this part right here. We're going to play this next clip. It said, Firehouse is a, what did I say? Firehouse is a fire mess. That's what I titled this clip here. That's why we have so much division, guys. So, like I said, you can just pray about it. You know, this is something God has dealt with me about over the years. I don't, I don't, I got people at my church who they're like, yep, I'm Trinitarian. I got people at my church who they're oneness. Hey, as long as you feel with the spirit of God and you born again, that's it. I'm rocking. So even in Marcus Rogers church, there's, there's Trinitarians, there's oneness again. So what do you tell them about the biblical view of God? Or do you just not touch it and just say, hey, we're just in unity for unity's sake. We're not going to touch the doctrine, even though the Bible says that, which, which tells me you're not touch, teaching on the full counsel of God at Firehouse. You guys are just throwing away uh, theological distinctives, uh, really theological, uh, yeah, distinctives about the nature of God. And just saying, as long as you guys can just say Godhead together, I guess that that serves as some kind of applaud on the back, right? And just, hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know I believe there's three persons in the Godhead. And you believe there's uh, one person who manifests themselves in three different uh, manifestations. Yeah, totally different, right? But, I mean, as long as we can speak in tongues and <laughs> cast out devils, that's really what's important, right? Very interesting, right? Now, this is the section where I've titled His Modalism Comes Out. So... A lot of people, why they struggle with what I'm saying is because they say, well, then you're trying to say that the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. 
But the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. So the authority is in that name. This is why we cast out devils in that name. Now, I'm made in the image of God. I want you to watch this. Watch this, because he's going to make some correlation. And then this is a classic modalist example. Right. You are made in the image of God. I've got a flesh. I've got a soul. And uh, you have a spirit. Right. The Bible talks about Jesus gave up the ghosts and things like that. Now, your flesh is 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 not going to heaven. Your soul. Right. And your oh. There was, there was like two heresies there. One, let's deal with the first one, the modalism view, right? The modalism view, right? Uh, some kind of correlation between the image of God being reflected into us. Therefore, God looks like us. So so though you are one person, you have a flesh, spirit, and soul. Even that trichotomy view, which I'm, I'm a bichotomist, but nevertheless, Marcus Rogers presents that. And two, he's saying our body is not going to heaven, uh, but our soul is. Y yes, they are. Yes, it, yes, it is. Yes, we will get uh, resurrected bodies, but we will have a body in heaven. Um, but again, he is preaching modalism. And, and just in case you don't believe, let's let's continue playing it out. We have further evidence of that. Filled with the spirit, or you filled with a demonic spirit, right? But it's three in one. Now, what he means is three in one person. That is not, again, not trinitarian. Again, I want people because I've, I've had people over, over the last year say Marcus Rogers does believe in the Trinity. He does. He, 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 he's or he's not against it. He, you know, that is a modalist example. Again, the analogy he gave with himself, it is a modalistic understanding. Now, I agree. He contradicts him so much. He contradicts himself so, so, so much. But again, I'm just displaying the evidence. These now they have different functions. They're. There's a separation there because my flesh, right, is not my soul, if that makes sense. You understand? Yeah, yeah, I get it. But it is in your body. So if we take the analogy, even in your flesh, if this is a correlation to God, then the father, though he's not the spirit and the son, they are in him, literally. They, they don't separate out. Right. They are in their in his body. Again. That's what the analogy would entail. What I'm saying. So there is a distinction because Jesus, the son, was the lamb. The Holy Spirit was the comforter. But there's still one. See, it starts getting deep. And this is where people's <laughs> brain, they, be, they get blown because everybody. Yeah, I mean, you're not lying. This is blown away with me with the modalistic heresy. He's trying to describe it and people try to describe it a little bit different. And oh, if you don't describe it like me, then that's false. The reality is Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all God, all one. Notice all one person. But let's get into this last clip because he actually goes further into this modalistic example. So let's check this out. You could say that I got my flesh. I got my soul. I got my spirit. But my name is Marcus. OK, because these three in one the f no three in one notice one what person marcus is one person he's not three persons right he is one person but he goes further in this analogy fullness of the godhead is in jesus all right i'm a son i'm a father i'm a soldier but if i go to the bank to cash a check i don't sign it soldier 
I don't sign it son. I don't sign it father. To cash that check, I got to put a name to it. Right? So it's the same thing. So it's the same thing. So this is a classic modalist understanding. Son, father, uh, husband analogy. Usually you see all these are the same person. Right? They just have different functions or, or even manifestations. Right? He says, if I was to go into the bank, I would um, sign my name, i.e. Marcus Rogers. But the son, father, husband, they, they, they're still of the same person. Again, this is where he presents a confusing. Um, again, it has contradicted stuff he said in the past. I'm, I'm not denying that at all. But again, in modalism, those, this is why they can say the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus, because the father is just manifesting himself as uh, a different person or a different uh, function. It's just a different manifestation. Still the father. And so in modalism, classic modalism, the name of the father is Jesus. <laughs> Guys, you don't believe me. I've had discussions with modalists before in this channel. You can watch different modalists. This is instance a straw man or anything like this. And Marcus is digging in the bag of his old oneness Pentecostalism to demonstrate that Jesus is not the father. The father is not the son. The father is not the spirit. We can see this encapsulated in the view of, uh, at, at the baptism of Jesus. The father speaks from heaven. Right. Um, the, the son is getting baptized in the water, the spirit descending like a dove. This this will be a weird event if this was the same person. But clearly it's not. You see the three distinct uh, many times in the, uh, the especially the gospel of John. My goodness. Follow the pronouns. Right. Jesus distinguishes himself from the father. Right. He's praying to the father. He's he was sent by the father. Right. The father loves him. Right. So, so many, I mean, the pronouns dis, uh, distinguish this is not the same person with some kind of just, oh, it's just the different roles in the, in the same person. No, that is not what's in view. Again, my estimation, the Trinity makes best sense of these things. Again, yes, I just wanted to respond to these things because someone sent me this and I said, man, I would like to respond because it is always a teachable moment. Guys, you won't believe this. When I was at the G3 conference, crazy, some, uh, a uh, listener of the channel said that um, she she has been listening for a year or two. She used to follow as Marcus Rogers. And she said it was my um, critique of the Trinity and things like this, which helped her better understand, which all glory to God to that, you know, um, which helped her understand these things. And so, guys, this is why it's important. So many people, okay, just leave Marcus Rogers alone, guys. There are people listening and they come across videos like this and it helps them come out of, yes, what I'm calling a cult, a, uh, a theological cult, like as such. And so hopefully, guys, this video was informative, helpful. Till the next time, grace and peace. Yo, grace and peace. Thank you for watching another episode of All Things Theology. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go and give me a like. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. I promise to give you weekly videos, lives, interactions, exposing false teachers, sharing with you, the viewer, my theological beliefs, things about the culture and the Bible. So if you're here for that, come on and join us.